one of the things that has always frustrated, frustrated me as a, as a pastor uh, is with, that, uh, for example, young people, you know, brand new, brand new young people in the church, they grow up, they get married, they come in, and they, they automatically think that they know everything there is to know about raising kids. How many's ever noticed that? They are, you know, and I was guilty too. I mean, we, nobody could have told us anything because, bless God, we knew it. But the fact is, you don't, you, you don't come into adulthood automatically knowing stuff. Uh, I mean, your mom and your dad should have taught you different things and, you know, economical or, or whatever, practical situations in life. But a lot of times that doesn't happen, and so people come in. Well, it's the same thing in the church. Here's the frustration, pastoral frustration, is that people, when they get saved, they automatically think they know the Word, and they don't. See, We have to grow, don't we? It's very, very important. Every time somebody tries to bypass the growth process, they end up uh, in trouble. You cannot bypass that. There's no quick fixes. And, and I, I know, you know, there's, there's miracles and signs and wonders and those things, but, but they were not meant for us to depend on. You see, we need to live a life basically not ever needing a miracle. That is, we need to start growing in the things of the Lord. So that's basically what I'm all about here, you know, as your pastor and teacher is helping us all to grow, and, I, and I'm growing. In fact, I, I'm gaining access to things that I let slip many years ago just because I wasn't focused on that, and so, so we have to do that. Uh, but we have to, because of, the, because of the desperate times that we live in, you know, we have to take desperate, drastic measures, and that is we have to really focus in on the Word of God. I mean... Can I use the term laser focus? Laser focus in on the Word of God and, and really become acquainted. Let it become part of you. That's basically the dynamic of what believing means. Believing, you, it becomes part of you. It be, you become one with that Scripture. So, I'm trying to lay some foundation for what I want to talk to you today. It's very, very important. Uh, but remember, the 24th, the last time I spoke here, early in that morning, if you remember what the Lord said to me, uh, I was laying there about 4 a.m. thinking about my message that I was going to bring this today, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit all of a sudden, I mean, never said it this way to me. He said, did you ever notice that the devil never spoke to Adam? I mean, it stunned me because I've read that hundreds of times. It really never dawned on me. He never spoke to him. Well, how did Adam then commit the sin? He listened or he heard Eve, didn't he? Eve is the one told him. He, she said, look, this fruit, it's awesome. <laughs> it's good for food. Why aren't we eating this? I'm you know, embellishing a little bit here. But why, why, you know, why are we not partaking of this? And, and also, you know, I've been told it'll make you wise. Well, the fact is they were already wise. I mean, they, they were full of the life of God. They operated totally out of their spirit. 
their body and their soul lined up perfectly with their spirit and their spirit directed their steps, their words, everything they said. And so that got me to thinking, and so I've been thinking for two weeks about these things. That how important it is uh, of what we hear, how, what you know, the importance we place on hearing as well as hearing the right thing. Now here in, I'm going to read from Kenneth Weiss' translation of the New Testament in uh, Romans chapter 10. I'd like to read all 17 verses here for you, but I'm not going to. Uh, you can read that on your own. And, and, and possibly your translation reads it like this too. Because right down at the very bottom of this, in, in, in verse eight or 17, it says, So then... It's almost like a conclu conclusionary statement. So then, he's bringing it down to this point. Faith is out of the source of that which is heard. And that which is heard, and he's got in brackets here, the message, is through the agency of the word concerning the Christ. Now, the, the term Christ here, I know in King James it says uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, and, and but the, but that word theo or theos, which is God, is not there. It's it's Christos, which is Christ. Christ is a term for the Messiah. So what we're saying here is, he says, faith, which is, and I'm going to put this in parentheses, the God kind of faith. There's other kinds, you know. All of those other kinds comes through the aid of your hearing. You hear a good report about something, you automatically believe it, you know. I mean, the Internet's, it, you, just because something's on the Internet doesn't mean it's so, but we treat it like it's so. I know I've been, I've posted things before and found out later that they were, that it was fake news, and so I, I deleted it, took it down. But the thing, the, the same mechanism works for us in the kingdom of God. So, so the God kind of faith comes from hearing. But, but what is heard is the most important thing. The thing that is, that is heard has to be the message about the Christ, the Messiah. That's what builds the God kind of faith. And that's why it's important once you're a Christian, you find out what things cover your situation, you see. I'm sorry, Tressie, I'm trying to stay still. What to, you know, it, it, it covers that. So, so you just get the Word of God out, become very acquainted with it in different situations. So having faith in the completed work of Christ is why we have rule and authority over Satan and his base of operation. Now, what is his base, base of operation? What is Satan or the devil's base of operation? Think about it. Hmm? Fear. Fear? That's, that, that's a good answer, but that's not the one I'm hunting. What is his base? What does the devil use more than anything else? Discouragement. Well, that's not a wrong answer either, but that's not what I'm looking for. She said discouragement. What the, the mechanism that the enemy uses is our flesh. Our flesh. That is, that is the arena that he operates in. That was the whole reason to get Adam to sin. 
so that he could join his spirit with his flesh. And therefore, and by chapter 6 of Genesis, they had become one with their flesh. So in the new birth, you see, there is a cutting away of the flesh and the spirit. And you now are a new creature. Your spirit is brand new. You have another identity than you had before. Okay? So, so having faith in the completed work of Christ gives you the leverage. It gives you the authority over Satan. It gives you the authority over this body. I was lamenting not long ago in my prayer closet, my prayer time, and I said, Lord, if, it was, if I was just free of this body, I wouldn't disappoint you anymore. I wouldn't let the Father down anymore. If I just was rid, because this thing, you know, prods and pokes at me all the time to go do stuff I know I shouldn't be doing or saying or whatever, participating in. And so it seems that this incumbence that we have here, this body, is the obstacle. But you see, that's why growth is necessary. You don't grow in your physical being in Christ. You grow in your spiritual being. And that comes as you realize, as you acknowledge, let me put it this way, as you have revelation knowledge about who you have become in Christ and the authority and the power that you have is over this flesh and over the devil. Jesus said, don't worry. I have overcome the flesh. I have overcome the world. I've overcome sin. And now that we are in Him, we have the same position. We've overcome. But we won't take our authority many times, you see. So, the nature that is rooted in our flesh is what the enemy uses. And... This is how He is omnipresent. He's not omnipresent like God is. I mean, God is everywhere at one time. But the enemy can, can facilitate the th- same effectiveness through the agency of the nature of the flesh. Because everybody that's alive on this planet today has a, has a, a flesh nature. And he knows how to activate that. And he has dominions that he can send out and, you know, whatever. So, so that is how that the enemy works. Now, here's a premeditated statement. Whoever, well, let's put it this way. It's not who you believe in that can change your life. It's who that you know that believes in you that can change your life. I mean, when you know that Jesus believes in you and you read all the things that He said about you and what all He's given you and all this stuff, that's what changes your life. So that's why we need to be very careful. Some people, you might think, believe in you because they're lying to you. Because they want to change you. They want to make you conform to their will, what they want you to do. It's called manipulation. God never works that way. The enemy always works that way. And so those who who you think that believes in you can change you, can change your life, for the good or the bad. See See how important it is? Now think about this for a minute. If I didn't know Bill Morris, and I just freely trusted him 
and went by what he told me to do or to believe or whatever, just because I am freely trusting him, well, and he tells me a lie and I operate and I live by that lie, how devastating is that to me, you see? Well, we allow people on the television under the guise of the news to affect us all the time, see? We're taking what they're saying. They don't believe in us. They can stand there and tell you they're telling you the truth, but you know good and well, a lot of times they're not. They have a hidden agenda there. So, that's why in Luke chapter 8 and verse 18, Jesus said, take heed what you hear, how you hear. The word take heed uh, is the word blepo. And blepo means to literally have an understanding or have the power of, the, of understanding. In other words, he says, pay attention to what you're hearing and how you are hearing. Look what it did to Adam. I mean, think about it. The devil didn't even have to speak to him. So a lot of times, probably more times than not, the enemy will go through someone that's very close to you, knowing that he can get to you that way. You can't even afford to trust me that way as your pastor. You need to check everything. In fact, if I was you, whoever's out there watching, I would just make a rule, a personal rule. Don't believe a word Jerry Chumley says without checking it with the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. I mean, that's just safe. See? I mean, I, I might go nutty or something and start telling some old kind of stupid stuff. You know, you can't afford to just wholesale. See, trust is always earned. I now trust Bill Morris because I'm getting to know him. The same way with the rest of you. I'm beginning to trust you, see. So, so our life is basically based on the influences that we've allowed in it. You know, uh, I know uh, David Ingalls that writes all these songs that we like. Uh, he said, there's one song, he says, you are the total of your talking yesterday. Uh, Brother Hagen coined that. That's where he got that song from. But, but whatever we've been speaking out of our mouth, see, it will order our life later. That's why it's so important for us to pray in the Spirit. Because praying in that, that hidden language, it's hidden from the enemy. Praying that says you're, play, you're praying the will of God out for you. See? And he'll, he'll start move, motivating you in that direction. So, uh, the, the influences that have come our way in our lives, some of them have been bad. We've had bad things to happen. I know Karen lost her husband. That... That shaped you to a degree when that happened. That was a tremendous loss. I lost my wife. I mean, that, that shaped me. It, it, it's, it's incredible how a little thing like that will affect your mind. Because since Renee died, and it was just so suddenly, uh, there's not a time that Teru is taking too long to come back that my mind doesn't go, oh, I wonder if she got killed. So, so our influences shape us and determine a lot of times the pathway. This is why, again, that it's so important that we learn to grow in Christ and become founded, well, well-rounded and grounded in His love so that we won't be blown around and taken off by you know, every wave of doctrine that comes around because we're familiar with this. So, you are in charge of what you hear. No, nobody's going to, 
You know, a lot of times parents will run and turn the TV. Oh, you don't need to hear that. You know, well, parents, there's a lot of things on there we don't need to hear. We need to just turn it off, see. So be careful what we're allowing into our ear gate. Uh, you say, wow, well, that's not going to get in my spirit. No, no, it's not. It's going to get into your soul. It'll affect your emotions. Your mind, will, and emotion comprise your soul. And that's, that's where the enemy rules because he's ha he has access to that area. He has no access to your born-again spirit. But a word of warning here is that if you continue to hear the other things and allow them to develop in you, then you can make a choice. Yes, you can make a choice to walk out of Christ. You can walk away thinking you're doing the right things. And, and it's all because of what you have allowed yourself to be influenced with or what you've allowed yourself to hear. Is this making any sense today? Yeah. With, with everybody? You don't know how much I labor with this, I, trying to get the mind of Christ for what we need to hear. It's so important because, well, this is a little selfish, but I am going to stand before God one day over what I've said. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Now, in our Kingdom Parable series that we're going to start, hopefully next week, depends on how far I get in this, uh, there, there is what I'm going to call uh, a rule of double reference. And this rule of double reference, meaning that this, this word that I'm giving you can be applied personally in your own personal life, or it can be applied in a national situation, which is what the parable, kingdom parables are about. Jesus tells us later on in chapter 13 here of exactly what these parables mean. But they also, being double reference, they, they are appropriate for us to understand. And the one I want to read to you is the tares and the wheat, verse 24. And we're going to get into all these in that series, all these kingdom parables right through here. And, and it's exciting because of what the things that we're facing and going through and the signs of the times and all these things. But it says, And another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven... It, and we're going to also talk about the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. But anyway, not today. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household, uh, householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto him, An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we gather, go gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, the root, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of the harvest... I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now we find on, if you want to go ahead and read on in that and get ready for the series we're doing, these are talking about the, uh, the, the saved people and the unsaved people in the period of uh, tribulation. And that's what, that's what that is about. But the law of double reference here is that there's many, many voices in the world. You know, it says that in 1 Corinthians 14, I think, about uh, 
uh, verse 10 maybe, that there's so many voices in the world and none of them are without signification. So since the, since the sower, Jesus said in, in Mark 4 and Luke 8, the sower, He said, sows the Word. So these seeds that I'm talking about today are words. Words go in where? The ear gate. That's where the words go. Now since the reality is that both types of those seeds are being sown into us, we need to be cautious and be careful what we're hearing, don't we? So, so, so the Holy Spirit then becomes invaluable about dividing which is good and which is bad from the seeds that's been sown to us. There's, there's tares that'll come up. In fact, I did a little reading about tares. Uh, I forget, Danion or something it's called. But anyway, it actually was a plant that when they harvested it and mixed it uh, with whatever, they, it got you high. It was an intoxicant. So, so the tares, that kind of, uh, uh, I think one guy said it was bastard wheat. It looked like wheat, but it really wasn't. And when it was brought to fruition, it had a black uh, seed. Is it a seed in, in a wheat field? or Anyway, uh, not a brown one. But people would gather that and they would mix it in with their bread with the wheat so they could get high off of it. And there was references where the kings ordered that done. So the thing is, what the analogy here is that our enemy is sowing words into our understanding as well, into our minds, into our hearts. And, the, and I'm sowing the word to you. When you hear other ministers preach or whatever, you know, they're sowing words into you. It's very important that we have the right kind of words planted into our hearts. Can you agree? What? I'm going to read something to you here. Let's see, Holy Spirit, how do you want to do this? Let me give you some examples of tares that's been sown into the hearts of Christian people. And it, it has affected the whole church world. I'll name one here. God uses evil to instruct us by allowing it to happen. That's a tear. Now what happens if that tear lodges in your heart, takes root, grows, and produces? What kind of relationship are you going to have with God? You're going to be afraid of Him. Because you, you, I mean, I've actually heard people say that. Well, you never know what God's going to do. Yeah, you do. He said in His Word what He would do. Because it's right here in His book. This is what this this book, not necessarily the King James, but this book is the will of God. So, so as we begin feeding on the Word of God and allow allow it to be sown into our hearts and grow up, we right away reckon, notice that He said in that parable, He said they recognized the, the tares were growing. He said, did you not say sow good work? Good seed into your field? Yeah, but an enemy has done this. So they're going to show up. But now, let, let's look at another one. Here, here's a big tear. This, this probably permeates a, lot, a, a large portion of the church world today. The gifts of the Spirit passed away with the last apostle. How many ever heard that tear? Yeah, I have. Well, when I heard it, I rejected it. See, uh, Here's another one. This is a sneaky tear here. Mustard seed faith moves mountains. 
How many's ever heard that? Mustard seed faith moves mountains. You say, well, ain't that what the Bible says? No, it doesn't. It says as a grain of mustard seed. What does a grain of mustard seed do? It's planted, it grows, and it begins to produce. And it grows up in, in the parable Jesus is referring to. said it's large enough for the fowls of the air to lodge in. So, 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 the, so the, the, the revelation is that you grow. See, You grow in the things of the Lord. Don't expect to produce the kind of fruit that somebody, from somebody that's been growing a long time with somebody that's just got saved. See, Or, or has never grown. Does that make sense? I mean, we can we can plant a peach tree, and that peach tree you can go right over here to Home Depot or somewhere and get one, plant it in the ground, go buy you a juicer, or make some preserve. You'll get the stuff to make preserves with, and just wait with bated breath. Next year, bless God, I'm going to have some peaches. Well, guess what? You're not going to have any peaches. Oranges or whatever tree it is. Because it takes several years, doesn't it, for it to grow. It's the same way in our hearts. We keep watering that seed with more Word. We keep meditating that, you know, about that, that revelation in the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit adds to that and grows it. And then we begin to produce fruit, results in our lives. So don't be discouraged. If you're standing in faith. I'm telling you, I'm standing in faith for my health. I don't care if I'm running from every orifice that I have. I don't care what the symptoms look like. I am going to confess that I am the healed according to the the fact that He raised from the dead and when He did, I raised with Him. He bore my sicknesses. He carried my diseases. And with His stripes, I am healed. That's going to be on... Because that's the Word. Now, the, the, the tares would sow into your heart. Well, you know, God is just trying to teach you something. You, don't, you need to embrace this. Here's another one. This was a biggie in the charismatic movement years ago. Well, you know, God breaks us. He has to break you. Enjoy your breaking. I'm not going to enjoy it. No, no, no. Father does not do that. He's not going to break. Jesus was crucified for us. He suffered for the unjust. Hey, that was me. So I'm not going, I'm not going to re- try to replace redemption by earning it by my ability to uh, withstand uh, you know, the sicknesses and disease. So, so that's another one. I mean, I know I'm getting way off here, but, but it's still pertinent. Here, here's a biggie. Here's a biggie. And this is going to probably ruffle some feathers. I hope not in here. I hope you've heard me enough now or it won't. Once you're saved, you're always saved. You see, I can speak like that because that's what I started out believing. See, I'm telling you, this is very bold to say. Calvinism has been one of the worst doctrines that has ever infiltrated the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It goes so far as to say that Whoever God wants to be saved will be saved. You don't have to preach. You don't have to teach. You don't have, they're just going to be... That's extreme Calvinism. Well, it starts out over here. Well, you know, I don't really have to pray. He loves me anyway. In fact, the modern day grace message is infused with Calvinism in it. And that's why I got out of it. Because it's detriment. It's detriment to my growth. Okay. 
Uh, tongues are of the devil. How many's heard that tear? So there, there's there's many of them. Now here's the part I didn't want to do. And I don't even know where one is. You see these? Now there's some wonderful songs in this book. I've looked through it several times. But I'll guarantee you that I can find a song in here that is totally against the message of the Christ. Totally against a lot of things that we are supposed to believe about Jesus and about ourselves. So that's why I don't like hymnals. Some of the hymns are God-inspired. Some of them are great. But there's others. An enemy came in and sowed a tear. Nobody realized. Because after all, it's in the book. Can anybody think of one? There shall be showers of blessing. But for the... You know, for the raindrops we plead. Or, you know, it's just full of, of inconsistencies with the Word of God. Any hymn book, I'm not just talking about this one. This is probably first Christian hymn book or something. But the old red hymnal that we were raised in, Church of God publishes it. There's many in there. Many in there that I will not even repeat out of the words of my mouth. It's not that I, you know, I'm not in hatred about it. Those people just didn't have revelation about the, about the in Christ realities. And they wrote songs accordingly. It's sort of like country music. I mean, if you lose your dog, lose your truck, lose your girlfriend, your mother gets hit by a train, makes a great country song. But we can't afford to keep rehearsing those concepts. I love it. I love bluegrass music better than any kind. But I'm telling you what, in, in fact, I was turning off the road one time and the Lord spoke to me. I'd already been meditating about things like this. It was years and years ago. He said, uh, you are nostalgic about bluegrass music. I said, well, yeah. He said, what that does is that makes you want to go back home. It makes you want, you know, it creates feelings that you had way back. How many has ever listened? I put one on the other day that I, I just really liked that song. What was it? I can't remember right now. No, it's a, a secular song. Anyway, uh, I, I like that, but I can't afford to meditate on it all the time. We can't afford to allow our minds. It's counterproductive. I love hearing Merle Haggard sing. My God, I mean, the man is awesome. But I cannot rehearse. I'll sing it every once in a while. I've got it on my phone. I'll put it on the phone. It comes through the speakers of my car when I'm on a 13-hour journey. And I'll listen to the old boy sing. But I cannot afford to allow it to stay. See, I have to be careful what I'm hearing. I don't place importance on that. But then again, on the other hand, stop listening to them is not good enough. We have to start listening to things that build us up. Worship songs. Things that, things that build us up. Tell us who we are in Christ. I know it feels good to sing songs about going to heaven. Bless God, I like to think about going to heaven. But what about the here and now? I'm not concerned about the by and by. That's taken care of. I'm concerned about the here and now. 
You know, how, how can I be effective for Jesus now? How, how can I live victorious here in this life? Right now. He wants us to right now. Not wait. Not wait till heaven. Can anybody say amen? I've got a whole list of these here and you can just use your imagination. But as I said, uh, there's many, many voices in the world. There, none of them are mute. They all have a voice. And in, in studying about that word for signification, you'll find that it not only just talks about verbal, it's talking about sounds that animals make too. I've heard, I don't know how true it is, but I've heard in talking about the devil walks about as a roaring lion, as a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion, but he walks around as one, seeking whom he may devour. Well, they tell me that a lion out in the wild will begin his roar and make a 360 circle with that roar. And what that does is it, uh, it, it distracts the prey to where they don't know where he's coming from. So the thing is, in that instance, we need to get in the Word so that He can't devour us. We need to become undevourable. Amen? And that is because we are in His Word, and His Word is our salvation. Jesus said in John 10, 27, He said, My sheep hear My voice. I'll tell you what, let's just look at that. Let's look over there. There's something the Holy Spirit wants to draw out of that for us. John 10, very, very, you know, he's talking about the sheepfold. Let's see, let's look at verse. Jesus said in verse 25, he said, I, I told you and you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. Notice that. They follow me. They hear my voice. They follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they never perish. Neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now you see, when I was a Baptist preacher, started out 14 years old, that was one of the big scriptures we used to prove that once you're saved, you're always saved. Because nobody can pluck you out of your hand, out of God's hand, see. How many ever heard that? In, the, in that light. Okay, well what the Holy Spirit told me about it was He says the reason why they can't be plucked out is because they're hearing His voice and they're following Him and He gives them the life that they need, see. So once we stop hearing His voice and stop following Him, we're in dangerous territory and we're, all, we're, we're right on the precipice of making a decision to just go another way. So you see, that's what he's saying here to us. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. We receive through our ear gate, through hearing. 
We receive. And when we receive the, the, the Word of God in our hearing, it produces a faith, which faith is pistis, the Greek word which means to believe, to trust in, to rely upon. That's faith. And when that faith is there, it produces an action. You are acting on the Word that you heard, and it produces the fruit. Amen? Amen. Okay. Jesus, in John 12, 50, He said, He spoke what He heard the Father say. He did what He saw the Father do. And in in, uh, John 16 and 13, it tells us there that the Holy Spirit speaks what He hears. Amen? So how much better should it be for us to speak what we hear? He's speaking what He hears, meaning as you get into prayer, especially in prayer in the Spirit and tongues, He hears those words and what He does, He brings revelation about you, about your circumstances, about your life, about your home, about the Word of God. He brings revelation to you. That's, the, that's how He does that. See, That's, that's the mechanism He used. Uh, so, originally, the... The message of Christianity originally was known as the healing religion. That's what it was known as. It never entered their minds that it wasn't able, they weren't able to be healed. You say, well, what happened? From the inception of the church, which has been roughly 2,000 years now, and, and the progression of that from, that from its inception on down through the road of time, the miracles and the signs and wonders became less and less and less. Why do you think that is? It is because we heard why it doesn't work. It entered our ears. We heard too much preaching, why it wouldn't work. Well, you know, most of those guys that that, that preach that it doesn't work, all it is is a doctrine they've made to keep from, to save face, to keep from being embarrassed that, well, you know, I know I... I can't pray for you to be healed, so it must not be God's will. That, that's why that doctrine came. It was a tear. He received it, and he, and he operates his ministry on it. God forbid him at the, at, at the judgment seat of Christ. I hope I'm not standing next to him. But uh, we've heard too much of why it doesn't work instead of uh, why that it does work. And I'm telling you, I don't care if I lay hands on 10,000 people and never see one of them healed. I will still believe that it's God's will. I will always believe it. I'll never give up. I'm never going to give up on you that the miracles and signs and wonders are happening here. I just said to myself, I was walking over here from the house this morning. I said, you know what? If the signs and wonders were here, the house would be full and running over. It would. And, but I'm not giving up on it. It, it. it must take place. This is the way. I refuse to be permanently located in a church that is in word only. Unless we have word and demonstration, I don't want nothing to do with it. I wasted too many years like that. See, Can y'all say amen about that? Amen. I, want the, I want the Lord to have His way and His will here. I want His will to be done. I, I want His word to go forth. I want this church to be built on the word of God. I want it to be built because people are excited about the Word of God. So we receive through our hearing, and our hearing produces a response. And then that faith brings into reality uh, what we've heard. 
It brings it into a... In other words, like I said a while ago, the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith is truthfulness of God for persuasion. Romans chapter 4 talks about Abraham being fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Uh, let's look at that real quick. I've got some time here. Y'all don't mind. We're fixing to go eat here in a minute. So, uh, let's see. Romans chapter 4 and about verse 20. Notice this. Well, let's back up. Verse 18, talking about Abraham. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was what? Spoken. God spoke this to him. He heard God's voice concerning his future. And so he hoped on in faith. One translation says, So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered, and the word not is not there in the Greek. There's not a negative. So he did consider his body now dead when he was about 100 years old uh, and did consider the deadness of Sarah's womb Although he staggered not, he that's diacrino, it means doubted. He doubted not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded what he had promised, he was able to perform. So that's, that's our status today. Are you fully persuaded about issues that you're facing? about what God's Word says about it. Are you fully persuaded that it's His will for you to walk in healing? Fully persuaded that it's His will that you have your bills paid and, and, and enough to finance the gospel with? Yes. So, so that, that might be a thermometer for you today to take your temperature as to where you are in your belief. How well are you persuaded? How well are you convinced that this Word is truth? Amen? So there's four kinds of faith, and we'll shut this down here in just a second. Four kinds of faith. There's transforming faith. That means your, your mind is changing to think differently. Transcending faith that continues on in spite of great opposition when everything else looks like that's not true what you're confessing. Triumphant faith which wins victories over sudden attacks in your life. Those three kinds of faith is your responsibility. The transforming, the transcending, and the triumph, that's, our, that's ours. You know, we, we are in charge of that. And then the, the fourth kind of faith is the gift of faith. That's one of the gifts of the Spirit. And that is a supernatural manifestation given at a specific time. And that's God's responsibility. I hope to God that I don't have to use that again. I've been used at least once I know of in the gift of faith. And the reason I say that is if, if that needs to be, there's a tragedy or something that's happened that needs rectified real quick. And that happened when a gentleman started to shake hands with me at the back door of the church where I was preaching and he fell on the floor in, a, in an uh, epileptic seizure. Bill Blevin was his name. Bill Blevin was, at that point, he was probably 70. And I learned later that he had had those attacks about every two weeks, his whole life, just fall on the floor. And so when he 
put his hand in my hand and, and fell on the floor, immediately the gift of faith came on me. And when that happens, you feel like it's Superman. You feel like, my God, I could do anything. But I looked at him and I spoke to him. I said, I command you to stop in Jesus' name. And he stopped. And I said, now open your eyes and get up and be healed. And he lived, I think, 15 more years. Never once had another one of those episodes. So that's why I'm saying, I hope I don't ever have to use it. Because that will probably mean one of you will need it. Amen. But if it does happen, those gifts are available. Amen. Stand up with me, please. Just remember that the natural man cannot receive the things of God. They are foolishness. They are enmity. The spirit and the flesh are always at odds. Will always be. There's never going to come a day that you live that you're not going to have to decide between flesh and spirit. That's every day's task. What, am, what is motivating me now? What am I hearing now? You decide that every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Kosamatia. Does anybody need a touch from the Lord today? An area of healing? Just for general purposes, I'm going to go ahead and pray for you, okay? Okay. Okay. Thank you, Father, for healing my sister from her knee problems. And me as well, we confess that the Word of God is true. And we'll continue to stand on that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the food we're about to receive. That it be nourishment for our bodies. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, I'm hungry too, but you. <laughs>